You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode two. Season six, episode two of Draft Season, hosted by Turn on the Just Digital. I am your moderator, D.A. Osario, joined by the dynamic duo of drafts, Joe Bellick and James Coons, who are going to carry us through draft season as we embark on this new, what we hope to be Trevor Lawrence era. Uh, you know, And we are recording this Sunday, December 6th, after both Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and the BYU... Uh, I need to come up with a good nickname for him. The Mormon Marauder, Zach Wilson, put on his show last night. Uh, but we'll get to that in a minute. But f- first, James, Joe, how are you guys doing? You guys feeling all right? Yeah, I'm doing well, Dalvin. Doing well, doing well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How is it in Chicago, James? Is, 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 is it ice cold over there in, 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 in the great north? I'm actually back in New York, so. Uh, oh, nice. Okay, okay. Yeah. Which, which I mean, might as well be Chicago, considering how cold it's been over there, right? Um, so let's jump right in. You guys know the format. Seven rounds, three minutes each, three to four minutes each. Uh, you guys know that we can go off on some tangents, but we are going to kick this right off, right, right, right off. Uh, we are grading a mock, and this was this week. There was a mock draft released this week by Dane Brugler, who I love following his draft stuff. I think that he does an amazing job of conceptualizing these abstract draft concepts into easily understood things for us normal folks, right? And so, I, you know, I, I, I'm definitely a big fan of his. And in his mock, so as you guys know, what we do when we grade mocks is we try to look outside of what will most likely be an inevitable number one pick in Trevor Lawrence. I think that barring Trevor Lawrence tomorrow, you know, driving off deep end and saying, listen, I'm just going to go play soccer in Europe. You know, I think he's going to be the number one pick regardless of picks, but the Jets own two first round picks courtesy of their trade with the Seattle Seahawks, where they traded perennial all pro or Jamal Adams for two first round picks this year for two first round picks, one first round pick this year, one first round pick next year. And so in Dane Brugler's mock, he had the New York Jets, at taking an offensive lineman, tackle Jalen Mayfield from the University of Michigan, which, as we all, you know, it's funny because as we record this, it comes out that, you know, everybody expects Jim Harbaugh to leave Michigan and go back to the NFL. And sure, here enough, the same week that that comes out, we find out that the Jets may may take one of his players uh, with the the second first that they have in the first round. Guys, your initial thoughts, what would you grade this pick? Joe, we'll start with you and then we'll go to James. What would you grade this pick? And would you be happy if the Jets went this direction with an offensive lineman? Well, I like the idea of targeting an OT in the spot or at the top of the second round. We discussed last week that we don't see George Fant here long-term. I guess the question is, could Jalen Mayfield be the guy to replace him either this year or the next? I will say that if Joe Douglas takes an OT in this spot, I think there is a really good chance Fant is coming off the books in 2021 as opposed to 2022. And as far as Mayfield goes, I wasn't impressed with him initially. In the first game I watched, he got worked versus Chase Young. Somebody actually wrote an article saying he played well. I'm guessing that was a close family friend, his girlfriend, perhaps, or his best <laughs> friend. Because while he had his moments in that game, he was, he was bad. Still, as I continue to watch him, I really started to see the potential. His athletic ability is impressive. He's really tough, looks to finish, and plays to the whistle. His footwork needs refining, but he does a decent job of hitting his sets points for the most part. He's an asset in the run game and can play both gap and zone, which is something I really look for. He takes good angles and seamlessly transitions to the second level, even though he could overrun his target sometimes. With that said, I I still think he's a pretty raw prospect. There's a work in progress. His hand usage and pass sets can be predictable. He can get top heavy and lunge for contact. He needs to work on his processing. He's been late to diagnose stunts. Mm -hmm. He can open up his hips too early and overset, creating a path for the quarterback. At times, he can expose his chest and leave himself vulnerable to a bull rush. And I like to see him do a better job of refitting his hands and dropping his anchor in those particular situations. And despite his athleticism, he could be late to hit a spot versus speed rushers. And that's a concern for me. And I could string together a whole bunch of other things, but I think you guys 
got the idea. Uh, in the end, I have my reservations, but uh, I gave him an early to middle second round grade. I think he has all the tools, especially from an athletic standpoint, to develop into a legit starter. Still, while I like his potential, I feel like there will be prospects available, even at the tackle position I take before him, hoping for you know Christian Darasaw, but I think he's going to end up going earlier. So I gave this pick uh, a C plus to a B minus. If they trade down and take him, say, in the middle of the second round, I definitely would give it a higher grade. Yeah, and I think you make a really good point in terms of George Fenton. His contract is one that was structured where Joe Douglas could easily get out of it, right? And so when we talk about a lot of these decisions that the Jets will have to make this coming offseason, when you talk about players like Fant, you talk about a guy like a Jamison Crowder, right? Armed with this many picks, it would stand to reason that if you were going to move on from some of these higher-priced veterans that maybe you acquired to be stopgaps like a George Fant, this would be the offseason to do it. But I agree with you. I think with Mayfield, it's fascinating because when I saw – I read the same scouting report you're saying where it said that he did really well against Chase Young, and I was kind of blown away because I was like, I don't think we watched the same game. Yeah, not at all. I also think that with offensive linemen, and we've seen this, uh, there's been such an influx of young pass-rushing talent I do wonder if we start to see this overcorrection with offensive linemen where some guys go higher than they should. I think back to Austin Jackson last year from USC. I didn't have a first round grade on Austin Jackson, but to see him, to see him being talked up in the top 20, top 25 picks, that was surprising for me. And part of me does wonder if that's partly because we've seen so many pass rushers enter the league. James, what do you think about Jalen Mayfield at, with that second first round pick the Jets have? What would you grade it? And would you, would you maybe go a different direction at, 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 with the second first round pick? Yeah, well, I think Joe did a good job talking about Jalen as a prospect. Um, so my analysis is going to be more about the idea of taking an offensive tackle in the late first round. Um, I'm not a big fan of it. I think that there's tremendous opportunity cost to taking a position that we already have a solid starter at, where we could use that pick to improve a number of the other very important positions where we lack a lot of talent. Um, I also think George Fant um, is a good player. I think when you look at his developmental trajectory, it's very unique. And even though he's in his late 20s, he's in his early starting years. So I think it's reasonable to expect that um, as he gains more starts under his belt, he's going to become a lot better of a player, similar to how a younger player like a rookie would. Um, and combine that with the fact that he's on a very affordable contract. Um, I see no reason why the Jets would spend their second pick in the draft on a position where we already have a solid starter at. So those are my thoughts. I'd say I'd grade it at like a C minus. Yeah, and I think, I think you're spot on. Joe, you were about to say something. So yeah, I, I agree with what James is saying. Like George Fant is better than expected. I did write a little bit about him and he's kind of turned into a decent player. I just think that the interior needs some work and I could see possibly um, Joe going after somebody like Joe Tooney. So possibly if he does do something like that, I think he would start thinking about OT possibly in this section. If he sees somebody that he could think that he thinks could give him equal to potentially better value than Fant at in this spot of the draft. And therefore, you know, take that money and give it to somebody else like a Joe Tooney, maybe somebody else. So I'm kind of in that mindset with this particular position, this player, mm -hmm. even though I agree with James, you know, you know, by and large, he's definitely, you know, developed later. So he is kind of in those early years of his development and has shown some promise. But that's kind of why I, you know, went and did the way that I did. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I will say this before we go to round two. I do like that point you guys make about the cost and replacement, right? So, for example, and James, you raised this point about Jamison Crowder during during the season. Would you rather have the $11 million that are tied into Jamison Crowder, or would you rather move that to a player like a Joe like a Joe Tooney or Brandon Scherf even, right? Where, again, it's a reallocation of resources to positions that are probably better suited for long-term growth. And I think when Jet fans, when they hear that you wanted to move Jamison Crowder, a lot of folks were up in arms, but it was like, would you rather have the pick and the money, or just this really nice player that's overused in this Adam Gay system. And realistically, your slot receiver should not be your your highest paid wide receiver in any system. It just should not be a thing. Um, so I, it's going to be interesting because I wonder if that's how he approaches offensive line. Do you take the $9 million from George Fant, put it into Brandon Scherf or Joe Tooney, and then use the draft pick to replace Joe Fant? That's probably a better scenario than just keeping $9 million tied up and then spending another 15 to $16 million that would take to make Scherf leave Washington or to get Tooney away from, from New England. Uh, let's jump right into round two. And as you guys know, the Le'Veon Bell experiment did not work through no fault of his own because I will forever 
outstanding Michigan State Spartan, Le'Veon Bell. But it did not work through some fault of his own, but more fault with Adam Gase, although we've seen Andy Reid hasn't really been able to use Le'Veon Bell like that anyway. But when you have Clyde Edwards-Alaire, why would you use Le'Veon Bell, right? That's kind of where we are in the, in 2020. But the New York Jets have one running back under contract for next year, and that is LaMichael P. Ryan. Contrary to popular belief, Frank Gore should not be getting 40 carries, even though the, the grand wizard himself, Adam Gase, said that he's going to get a ton of carries. Um, but guys, we are we, we see the Jets, you know, right now armed with as many picks as they are. They should get two more picks for Sam Darnold, I think, even if it's a, you know, a second round or a third round or in a fifth. You know, you should see more draft capital for Joe Douglas to work. And we know that they you're going to need a running back. I don't think LaMichael P. Ryan has shown anything that makes you think that he could be a feature back in this in this league. With the free agency class the way it is, Jamal Williams, Marlon Mack, uh, Aaron Jones is, is projected to hit free agency, but I don't really think he gets to free agency. The Jets have a chance, really, to set up their rookie quarterback with some talent around them. Now, I know this is contingent on the coach that we hire, right? And again, we don't know who's going to be hired or what. Uh, James, I'll start with you, and then I'll go to Joe. If you were Joe Douglas... Give me an idea of the kind of coach that you would be looking for and the kind of running back to complement that coach, right? So, for example, if I was going for Bill Cowher, if I wanted to get him out of retirement, the running back I would go get for Bill Cowher would be A.J. Dillon from Green Bay, formerly of Boston College, because Bill Cowher, his track record is bigger backs. That's kind of his thing, right? So if you were in Joe Doug, you are Joe Douglas, give me an idea of the kind of coach that you're looking for and the kind of back that you're looking to fit that scheme. Yeah, I mean, I think the answer is a little bit complicated because um, there are a lot of the coaches that I prefer um, are in offensive play callers. Mm -hmm. But that said, um, I think I would look for somebody who's an all-around type player. Um, I don't think this running back class is particularly strong at the top. I mean, obviously, ETN is good, but I think in a lot of years, you have three to four players who are like him um, at the top of the draft. So it's not something I would pursue with any early pick. Um, but I think getting an all-around back um, would allow us to run a committee approach um, and it would also prevent us in four to five years from overpaying a running back and getting locked into one of those very um, bad contracts that a lot of teams are, uh, are in right now. So I would say I, I would target a all-around player in the mid to late rounds. As opposed, as opposed to going for like, say, uh, you know, again, I use AJ Dillon because he was a guy that, again, surprised me when he went as high as he did. Like, again, I, and, and granted, guys, full disclosure, I go to Boston College. I think it's great. <laughs> but I think that the era of a six foot two, 245 pound running back, Travis, uh, Derrick Henry aside. A 6'2", 245 pound running back. I just, I don't see it in this modern NFL. And so for me, I would, I'd be hesitant. Go ahead, Joe. I don't know. Don't sleep on AJ Dillon, Dalvin. I still have. Okay. okay. I will see yeah. what happens next. But, what, but same question, same but, question, same know, question I'm to not, you, Joe. I'm not taking a running back in the second round. I mean, I think you can make a case that they should take one. I don't think people talk enough about how lack of a running game has also afforded Sam Donald's development. And I think bringing in a stud back would only help a guy like Trevor or Fields. A guy who I really like, I, I, I like, you know, that kind of guy you kind of described. I like Najee Harris. I think a really good coach for him would be like Brian Dable and his diverse run scheme with a mix of okay. gap zone and pin and pull concepts. I think Arthur Smith would match him really well and have him be kind of play that Derek Henry role in his heavy wide zone system. I mean, Najee Harris is like the kind of guy you want to walk into a bar with full of people you hate. He's enormous. He's like a truck violent that's runner. Like a Porsche violent runner. <laughs> and, has, and has the power of a locomotive. You know, he's pretty much a linebacker with the skill set of a running back. And I'm really high on this guy. You know, if, if they decided, I, Joe Douglas, I believe, has only taken a running back once in the second round, uh, Miles Sanders. After that, it was like fourth or fifth rounder as far as the draft he's been involved with. So I don't see it happening. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be too upset if they took Harris here. Obviously, like I said, I wouldn't do it. They have other needs. But... Dude, this guy, this guy can ball. Yeah. So you mentioned, you mentioned Najee Harris, who I think, again, when we're talking about when, so Najee Harris is not the Brandon Jacobs of the world, right? And I think we should probably state that loud and clear. Like when, when you're talking about big plotting backs, this is what you were talking about, right? Like Ron Dane, Brandon Jacobs, the thunder to somebody's lightning, right? Early on in, earlier in this decade, 
it's been such a change over the last, I think, like five or six years. So it's funny because, James, you, you've you said this before, that if you were going to take a swing at a college guy or a guy that came from college, you'd prefer Tony Elliott over a Joe Brady, right? Like Tony Elliott would be the guy that you would swing for the fences for. Joe, you're mentioning Arthur Smith, who, again, a lot of Jet fans love because of what he's been able to do with Ryan Tannehill. I think that this is the this is such a pivotal offseason for the Jets in terms of what kind of team are you looking to be for the next five to 10 years, right? And I think a guy like Tony Elliott, and, and I like Joe Brady more than you, James, but again, a Joe Brady, a Tony Elliott, and Arthur Smith, those are course correction hires for the New York Jets, right? Because for so long, they've operated in this, it's almost like they've been afraid to win, even under Rex Ryan, right? The offense wasn't really tasked with doing much. It's been safe. Todd Bowles, the same. And even Adam Gase, an offensive-minded head coach, coaches as if he's never wants to lose a game ever in his life, right? Like he coaches to he coaches to not lose. He doesn't coach to win. Whereas Arthur Smith, Joe Brady, and Tony Elliott, it's aggressive. It's, listen, we are punching you in the mouth. And I, and you know what, Joe? There is not a running back in this class, I think, that is more punch you in the mouth than Najee Harris. And so I, I'd be curious to see if, again, if any of those three guys are the coaches, if they target a running back that takes your will almost in the fourth quarter, because that's what Derrick Henry does. Derrick Henry, you see guys are scared to tackle him, and Najee Harris has a lot of Derrick Henry in him. Um, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah, so round three, we are happy to be joined by a good friend of mine that has been, now mind you, let me tell you guys this. So when we started draft season six years ago, I bombarded Shane, Shane Allen, our guest for this, for this round, with so many questions. And not once did Shane tell me to stop DMing him. Not once. Not once. If anything, he followed me to make it easier to see my DMs. So we are joined round three for draft season by college football analyst, dynasty and Debbie analyst for fake pigskin, NFL draft analyst for draft site, and the Prince of Pittsburgh. Shane Hallam. Shane, how is it going, brother? I'm good, man. Hey, that, look, I think that's the best introduction I've ever gotten. So I'm 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 in. Uh no, no, like it's it's always a pleasure. I like I like talking to people about it. I'm happy to talk in DMs and stuff, man. It's 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 just a lot of fun. No, and let me tell you, so I just started doing Dynasty Leagues two years ago. And so, like, I, you know, I, I, I drafted Denzel Mims this past, this past rookie draft, right? And, like, folks are like, oh, man, the kid from Baylor. And I said, listen, man, Shane likes him, so I'm drafting him. Because I know that eventually it's going to pay off. <laughs> so you have won me one Dynasty League. I'm hoping you can win me another this year, too. Um, but let's ju just jump right in, man, because I know your time is precious. And it is Sunday. And, you know, your, your Steelers are 11 and 0. So, you know, you, you can rest today, but let's jump right in. Uh, Joe Douglas, general manager of the Jets, just had his first draft, what feels like years ago, but it was really only eight months ago, just about seven, eight months ago. I wanted, we wanted to take man on one. How do you feel about his draft class so far? He swung for the fences with Makai Becton with that first round pick, Denzel Mims round two. What are your thoughts overall on Joe Douglas's first draft and would you have gone a different direction with that first pick or was Beckton the guy that you said, you know what, that's, that, that I felt, I felt good about that pick. I think when we, um, you know, when we go back, uh, I, I think we see that the Jets, you know, as bad as they are, I think there's some promise from a lot of these, these young guys, Mickey, Be uh, Mackay Beckton was my number one offensive tackle in this class coming in just because I thought he was such a rare prospect that I, I thought, I mean, if you can get this guy to his potential, he could be one of the best ever, you know, just because you, no one looks like him. And I think he's playing really well. I thought it would take a little bit of time. I think, I think he played really well this year. So I thought it was that they really need to take. I, you know, obviously I like Denzel Mims. I thought that was a good pick. I think once you have a, a, a true quarterback with them, it'll be good. So, you know, I, um, I think it was a good draft overall, you know, and I, I thought that, you know, the, the Ashton Davis pick uh, was pretty good in the third round too. I had him, you know, rated as a, a second rounder. So um, I, I actually, I really like what Joe Douglas did. I think he built a solid base and uh, you know, this year is going to be the year. I mean, this is going to be the year where you have to really, hit that home run, but I think it started better than a lot of people think. They might look at the record and say, oh, it must have been a crap draft, but he's really building for the future, and there's, you know, those first two pieces are Joe, 
Yeah, and I think it's it's not often that you find a general manager who can find a franchise left tackle in round one and then potentially, if not a number one receiver, at worst the number two in Denzel in Denzel Mims, if you add another receiver in this draft or you go the free agency route. Uh, you mentioned Ashton Davis, who I was pretty high on too. I I, I thought that he was a guy that made plays at Cal. Did you when when the Jets took him? Did you know? Did you figure like the writings on the wall? They are going to move on from Jamal Adams. And were you surprised at the fact that they got two first round picks for a guy like Jamal Adams, who again, as 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 a safety, it's kind of a devalued position a little bit. Although you see more teams like the Chiefs with Teron Matthew, uh, like uh, uh, like Denver with Justin Simmons, who really emphasize the safety position. But the Jets were able to get two picks for Jamal Adams. Uh, I didn't quite see the writing on the wall. It's like, well, you know, maybe this could work. Um, but it, I, I think I think by that point, it was already a little bit kind of out there. I, I mean, I, I thought the Jamadams trade was as good as you can get, especially with not only a safety, but a player that was fairly disgruntled at the Jets as it was. Like, you know, usually that, that means uh, with the volume, right? No one's going to give up. So you're going to get rid of him at some point. So, hey, you know, take it rebuild I mean make this team into Joe Douglas's image I think that's fine uh, I, I think you know last year a lot of people bashed the Miami Dolphins for some of the moves they made I mean, I mean the, the Steelers benefited from getting Minka Fitzpatrick for just a first um, and, but it seems to be working out pretty darn well for Miami right I mean they're a good team so like could we really say that was a bad choice to make I don't think so um, I, I think this is a, a similar situation where all right, let, let's put the team especially in a year when you have to uh, the greatest quarterback prospect that I've ever uh, scouted. Uh, why not? I mean, why not just tear the whole thing down and let's get a ton of picks. Let's get a ton of young players and rebuild this thing. So I think it was a good choice. I think they, they got uh, as, as much as you could possibly get for a safety like that. And I think watching Jamal Adams play in Seattle, it's like, you know, when, when he has a, a good team and structure around him, he's not playing as well because the reason he played so well is there's no one around him. He could just do whatever he wanted and make big plays. That's great, but that's not going to help you win football games. So uh, not to take anything away from Adam's talent, but uh, I think that looking at where this pick will be and looking at their needs, I, I think this is good. They're going to benefit more if Joe Douglas makes good selection than keeping Jamal Adams around. Yeah, that's a really good point. And honestly, that's a perfect segue to, to our next part, because again, like for us, we, Joe, James, and I, and clearly you, Trevor Lawrence is a special, special quarterback prospect. I, I think that a lot of a lot of fans tried to, you know, I think to try to just be contrarian on Twitter, which is kind of the nature of the app, uh, decided, you know what? No, it's Justin Fields, or no, it's Zach Wilson, or Trey Lance, et cetera, et cetera. But it's been Trevor Lawrence for as far as we can remember. And all three of us absolutely want Trevor Lawrence to be the pick. We think that he's a game, a game-changing and a culture-changing pick for the New York Jets. For you, if you were in Joe Douglas's front office, right, and you're armed with Seattle's pick, whatever you're going to get for Sam, because there's a good chance you get, I mean, a lot of folks are talking about a two and a five, which is what you got for Rosen. Sam is entering uh, option year, so that makes it a little tricky, whereas Rosen had three more years under, you know, for, uh, under his contract. What, who are some prospects that the Jet, that Jet fans should look at that would help Trevor Lawrence be as successful as possible all around? Because like we said, you have Beckton at left tackle, you have Mims, Joe mentioned this, you don't have a running back. And, and realistically, that's hindered Sam Darnold's progress a lot because you have not had the threat of a running game back there. You want to make sure Trevor's successful, as successful as possible. Who are some prospects that you would think Jet fans need to pay attention to that can add to Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, I mean, I think my strategy would be that. Um, I, I almost like the Carolina Panthers last year in reverse. I know it's, I know you want to take the best player available, but let it's not going to be a year. It's not going to be a year one turnaround. The Jets aren't going to the Super Bowl next year, right? Like it's not going to happen. So let's build this offense. Let's lose games forty to thirty, and then we can worry about the defense. I, I think that would be a great strategy to take. Um, you know, I, I think to me, I, I really I look at three positions in those you know next three picks. I, I think you look at. Uh, taking another offensive lineman, maybe an interior guy. I mean, I think that that top the second round pick is, is could work for any of these positions first. You know, I'll probably mention it for every position uh, because I think he can work really well. But, you know, a guy like Wyatt Davis, guard out of Ohio State, uh, I think it's really tough, can, can pull. You know, I like him. Um, I think an underrated guy that's not being talked about a lot in the interior is um, Elijah Vera Tucker for UC, USC plays up tackle, plays guard, you know, a little bit of a swing guy. I think he's a real possibility and just see who falls, right? You know, I think there's a lot more offensive tackles in this class. It hasn't quite shaken out yet. 
we, we will get there and there's going to be, you know, five, six guys in that top 50 mix. So I, th- I think there's some good spots, either if it's the Seattle pick or the second round pick to take another offensive lineman, like get, get one, I think in, in those, those top two. And then, and like I said, I think taking a skill position player, whether it be a wide receiver or running back um, or even one of those top three tight ends fall, perhaps, you know, you could consider it. I, you know, I'd probably put that third on the list it's all about kind of value there. I mean, I, I think at the, the running back position, um, I think if, if a Najee Harris or Travis Etienne is sitting there at the top of, of two, I think you consider it. I think both could go in the first. I think Najee Harris probably will go in the first, um, you know, to, to a team like Miami. Uh, but, you know, if one of those two guys are there, I think you consider it. I think you could wait, you know, to, uh, to select one a little bit later. Like you said, if you get a pick for Sam Darnold, you get an early three, you get, you know, a late two, um, then, I, you know, I, I think that would be – I think that would be fine. I think you could take a running back in that spot. You could probably find a Javante Williams out of North Carolina. Um, you know, Kenneth Gainwell out of Memphis might make a good uh, compliment to, to Michael P. Ryan. So there's some possibilities. I, I just really like the receiver value in this class. And I think you, you got to take one, maybe even two in the draft as a whole. Uh, Denzel Williams is great. You know, uh, Jameson Crowder has been good. But, you know, th- there are slam dunks out there. I almost like what the Bengals did last year. They took Joe Burrow. They took a wide receiver. That's going to be his guy for, for the, the next 10 years is the hope, right? And so I think you'll have that possibility. There's going to be one of these top seven uh, in the receiver class that falls out of the first round. Or once again, with that Seattle pick, you know, you can take a Terrace Marshall out of LSU. You could take Chris Olave out of Ohio State. Um, you know, and maybe Rashad Bateman or, or out of Minnesota, or Rondell Moore out of Purdue Falls, and you can take someone more dynamic. You know, I, I actually like uh, my most recent mock. I had them taking Kadarius Tony, the receiver out of Florida. Um, so, you know, that th- he's a guy who's a little more gadgety um, and, and just gives you a different element. Uh, maybe that top of the second's a little high for him right now, but we'll see how he runs and see if. You know, he's a little raw. That may not be the best fit. Uh, and then uh, one more guy I'll throw in. I can name her day, so I apologize. But you know, one more guy I'll throw in that I like at the, at the top of that second round, too, is Diami Brown, the wide receiver for North Carolina. He's that kind of prototypical number one. I think it would be a really nice compliment with Denzel Mims. It'd give you that shorthanded, good route runner, catches tough passes, good range. Um, you know, I think he's a player that I would love to see as a fit. You know, it, kind of the T. Higgins for – uh, Trevor Lawrence, what he had in Clemson. So uh, tons of possibilities. And when you have a skill position draft like this, I would hate to see them waste picks. I don't say waste picks, but to, you know, to take a corner and take a pass rusher and it's just a little bit weaker. And, and now your offense is still struggling. You know, I, I don't want to see what happened to Andrew Luck happen to Trevor Lawrence. And, and I think that should be the focus for Joe Douglas. And, and we should probably say there's no James Morgan fourth round picks, please, because I, I <laughs> talk about when you talk about wasting picks. I think that's something with the and, and honestly, I'm glad you mentioned the wide receiver depth from from last year. And I'm going to pass it to Joe and James so they can, you know, pass to you with some questions, too. But I, I think T Higgins was a guy that, again, a lot of people overthought last year. Like there was a guy who produced at Clemson, who, again, like has now come into the NFL and continue to produce, just runs crisp routes and wins one on one matches. And I, I agree with you. The point about Andrew Luck, the worst thing the Jets can do is waste Trevor Lawrence, right? Like you've been gifted this only three years after having to trade up for Sam Darnold, right? So now you've been gifted this chance to draft a generational prospect who I think we all can agree is better than the Sam Darnold, right? Like Trevor Lawrence entering the NFL is better than Sam Darnold. And I think the worst thing you can do is just waste it. Joe, you kept trying to jump in and I kept cutting you off. I'm sorry, man. I will pass it to you. <laughs> Oh, no, it's all good. Hey, Shane, uh, thanks for coming on. And also, thanks for putting together that seven-round mock draft. I really love this stuff, so I appreciate it when someone takes the time to put one together early. We've been talking running backs, but there is a guy who you had in your mock that I kind of have some interest in. It's uh, Robert Rochelle, the cornerback from Central Arkansas. You mocked him to the Jets at the end of the third. Can you tell us a little bit about him? Because I don't really know a lot, and I'm, I'm curious. 
Uh, he he's one of my favorite small school prospects this year. Um, uh, Robert Rochelle is this you know big six uh, two you know a big cornerback who who runs really fast I and mean, runs in the four fours kind of big athlete playing at a, a small school and he's just dominant right. That's when I, when I watch small school prospects I want to see dominance and he was dominant and he had the opportunity this year to play against Trey Lance right you know and so it was like okay here here's the matchup that we want to see and they really just game planned away from him almost completely when they threw it to his side. Uh, I mean, he, he was always in coverage. He kind of adjusted and passed poorly. I think Rochelle won that matchup. So he's one of those small school players that I think is a firm top 100 pick, especially after he runs at a pro day or at uh, the combine. It's probably when you'll start hearing his name when you get a guy with this size speed combination, people start, you know, uh, really noticing. But, um, I, you know, I think, if you're going to take a corner in the top 100, you really want to take a guy that's going to have that dominant number one potential. And I think Rochelle had, I think the corner position is one that, that I'm down to take those small school players where you can kind of match up at the big level. So um, I thought he was a player who was just a, a good fit. If you're going to you know, take a defender there, uh, I, I think that upside swing to improve the pass defense a little bit. Um, would really be fitting for me. And, and honestly, it's a pretty, it is a pretty deep cornerback class. So I think you can, you know, wait till that third, fourth round mix to, uh, to take a player and potentially still get a starter. All right, cool. Thanks, Shane. I appreciate yeah, that. I mean, yeah. Go ahead, Joe. Sorry. No, it's all good. I think, you know, James, you have any questions that you were. Yeah. I mean, um, one guy I wanted to ask you about is Gainwell, um, who you mentioned a little bit uh, earlier He's not a guy who I uh, am a huge fan of, but I know Dalvin has uh, uh, has the other opinion on him. Um, so could you talk a little bit about him and um, how you think he would be as an NFL running back? Well, for first, you know, I think the pedigree is kind of there in recent history, right? I think Memphis is now like producing these, these running backs and the, this offensive talent, uh, Tony Pollard and uh, obviously Antonio Gibson this year. And so um, I was a little surprised when Kenneth Gainwell, he opted out of the season this year. So people are kind of forgetting about him, almost myself included. I feel like he's kind of moving down my list a little bit uh, just because as, as I, I watch more guys and I really like them, but I'm sure I'll go back and, and really like him again. I think, I think, the, I think there's definitely can be some trepidation with him as he's a pass catcher, you know, maybe he's that third down running back. Um, and so, I, you know, I don't fault people for saying, eh, I kind of want that three down guy, right? I think a lot of uh, people do, but most teams don't use that three down guy anymore. And I think Gainwell has, he has a lot of short area quickness. Uh, he's really hard to bring down the open space, uh, you know, and, and Memphis really builds their offense around that of getting running backs that are tough to bring down in open space, getting them the ball, throwing them the football, getting them outside. So basically you're adding a pass catching weapon for Trevor Lawrence. If you add someone like him, um, which I think is important. And uh, you, you know, you get a player that's a little bit more dynamic ability. Um, so I think, I think a lot of who you take a running back will depend on the next coach and will depend on what that staff kind of prefers and how they use their running backs. But if they are a team that likes to use two, that you, likes to have a little pass catcher, have someone for some of the short yardage, then I just liked his compliment to Michael Pirine. If you feel like he still has a place on this team, then, you know, I think then that's a possibility instead of taking, you know, a Najee Harris or Javante Williams. Okay. We can wait take a, a Kenneth Gainwell later, you know, use those picks on other things and kind of bridge that running back gap. So I think a lot comes down to running back philosophy and what you want to do. Um, but yeah, I think he has potential to be extremely dynamic uh, and be, you know, obviously not on Alvin Kamara's level, but just be that the player used in that way. He's not playing every snap, but, ha but can make big plays. Um, and obviously has kind of a downside is just a third down pass catcher, a Neheim Hines type. Um, and, you know, then you probably would be right. He'd probably be overdrafted a little bit. So, uh, you know, he's, he's a little bit of a risk, but uh, I, like I said, I think it comes down to philosophy and how you would want to use him. Yeah. And I think honestly, you make a really good point, Shane, about just, and we talked about this before, right? Like Derrick Henry, Najee Harris, those are take your soul running backs, right? Like we're going to grab, we're going to give you 25, 28 carries. We're going to beat you in the fourth quarter. Like that is what we're going to do. 
But in this modern NFL, we've seen that, again, Derrick Henry is the outlier, right? Like in terms of just like that throwback, beat you up kind of back. What we're seeing more of is the guys that can cast, catch the ball out of the backfield. The guys that you can move around and put them in the slot and get a mismatch with a linebacker or something like that. And James and I do disagree on Gainwell. I'm, I'm, I very much like Gainwell's game. Um, and I think that with the Jets, you're going to see them go more running back by committee. I don't think they're going to have a feature back. I think that's why you see a lot of folks who talk about maybe they signed a Jamal Williams or a Marlon Mack in the offseason. And then now you have three running backs with maybe similar skill sets who can do some of the same things, kind of interchangeable, but no feature back. And it's just, just ways for you to make Trevor Lawrence's life easier. Shane, before we let you go, by the time we released this, the Jets and Raiders would have already played. Are the Jets still driving the Trevor train? Are we still driving it after this Raiders game? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think so. Like, I, I look, even if you win a game, it's you still can get it, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to say 0 16. Like, I don't, I would never bet on any team to go 0 16, but, yeah. uh, I, I think I think it's gonna to be tough to buy a win. To be honest with you, it's true, man. Look at the look at the rest of the schedule. I'm, I, like I was talking to some friends about it yesterday, and they're like, "Oh, they they may beat the Browns." I said, "Are you out of your mind?" <laughs> and again, I never thought I would say this in my adult life, but there is a difference in class between the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns. I never thought that that would. <laughs> Shane, one last question: Are you buying the Zach Wilson hype? Are you on board with the Mormon Marauder? Are you? Buying- <laughs> Oh man, you got just gonna throw the a very complex question to me <laughs> at the end, man. I I I'm so confused. You know, I, I just watched this past weekend's game against Coastal Carolina, and I still I still have, I have more questions now. It's uh, it, it's not, I mean, look, gonna be picked high, gonna be picked top fifteen, and if he if he ends up like Patrick Mahomes with a good coaching staff and system and can sit a year, I'm in. But if not, uh, you know, if he if he if he ends up on uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars somehow or something. I'm, I don't know. You know, so um, I, I'm, I'm not quite there yet. Maybe I'll get there by the draft. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think I think we all we all have been uh, flabbergasted by the rise of Zach Wilson. <laughs> but you know what? You know what? It's it, it, it beauty is in the eye of the beholder. If he ends up in Denver or something like that because they want to move on from Drew Locke, maybe that's a good spot for him with all those offensive weapons. Joe, I, I, I'm going to pass to you for your, Shane's very last question because I see that you're going to ask and then we'll let Shane go. Yeah, Shane, you know, I'm really high on Najee Harris. I, I see you have him going to the Jets at the uh, end of the first. Um, what do you think uh, his combine is going to look like? Do you think it could possibly hurt his stock? Could it help his stock? Because... Uh, I am kind of curious as to how, you know, that's going to go and if it's going to, you know, make people look at him possibly a little differently, maybe in a good way or a bad way. Yeah. So I, I honestly, if to, to put the honest question, I don't think Najee Harris does a darn thing from the end of the season until the draft. I mean, if I think if I was him, I'd, I'd lift, I'd, I'd uh, uh, you know, do the bench press and be done. Um, you know, so I, I'm like, he, he might run at a pro day. I, I really don't think he's going to run at the combine. I just don't think there's a reason for him to do it. Uh, I think I think and so the numbers will look, you know, they always look a little bit better, especially at Alabama and Ohio State in these places than than they will. Um, so I think if you run at the combine, I do think it would hurt his stock a little bit. I don't think he's super fast. You know, I don't think he's going to run the four fours. I think uh, you know even a four six flat's a possibility for him, which is fine uh, at his size. So um, I, I think you know I'm, I'm actually working on updating the mock right now. I'm probably going to have him go into Miami with their pick now instead of the Jets. So um, uh, you maybe maybe you end up seeing a lot of Najee Harris uh, soon enough. But uh, I think he'll be the first running back taken. I think late first he's going to go just because of the production uh, over time. So. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, if I was him, I would definitely just stay away, uh, you know, uh, and, and not do anything. And I think it will put him in the top 50. But look, I think there's a possibility because of the position, he could fall out of the first. And then if you're picking at the first pick in the second round, I mean, it's tough. It, I think it'd be tough to pass on. Him. So um, I, I think I think the Jets and, and the Dolphins are probably two, you know, two of the biggest for uh, right now. Awesome. Shane, thank you so, so much for joining us on this Saturday, man. We really, really, Sunday, we really, really appreciate it. Um, I will bombard you with more wide receiver questions, 
uh, you know, and I will make sure that we cash in all the DK Metcalf points for the amazing season that he's been having. Um, but thank you so much, man, for joining us. Thank you so, so much for always being willing to answer any and all questions. Um, and honestly, I've been following you for five, six years now, man, and I've learned so much from you. So this is a good way for me to, to your face, thank you for all the knowledge that you've been willing to pass on. I really appreciate it, man. No, very words i appreciate you guys having me it's fun and and uh you guys obviously know your stuff so i, I appreciate it and yeah, have a great uh great work great week here thank you you too man appreciate it you're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Awesome. Yeah. No. And I mean, I think he raises some really good points, right? I think that when we talk about, uh, when we talk about offensive, he mentioned, you know, he mentioned offensive linemen, like, but he, but he, he didn't go tackle. He said interior, right? He said interior with that, with that Seattle pick, which is something that I think we've all kind of talked about. Like if you, if you were to pair Makai Becton with an offensive lineman in this draft, it's probably Wyatt Davis, right? Like Wyatt Davis is probably the guy you put him at that side. You then sign a free agent, keep Fant. If again, you're not going to move on from him. And suddenly that offensive line looks very, very promising for Trevor Lawrence and whatever running back. Like, can you imagine Najee Harris running behind Makai Becton and Wyatt Davis? That's a scary, scary proposition at the next level. Um, you know, so it's, it's crazy to think, but let's go right into round five, my friends. Uh, and, these were questions that we received from Twitter. Um, you guys were great uh, in regards to the first episode. Thank you so much for the feedback. And thank you for sending in some questions that we will now answer. I will make this, this, this point. We will never charge you to grade your mock. If you want to, us to grade it, just send it to us. We will never charge you for that. That's not something we do. Okay? This is not that. Not um, now, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's jump right in. Uh, so the first question, the first question. Uh, and this was this was one that I, I was near and dear to my heart because again I love being wrong about prospects because it makes me think what did I miss the ones that I'm right about like DK Metcalf was one I was right about uh, Lamar Jackson was one I was right about but those I'm fine with that because like the talent is there I like being wrong about guys because I'm like you know what what did I miss that somebody else saw so James if I'm wrong about Kenneth Gainwell you and I will sit down over a non-alcoholic drink until you turn 21 and then, we'll, and then we'll have an alcoholic drink. But for you guys, the question that came in was name one prospect from the Makai Becton draft that you just knew you knew would be as good as they have been so far. James, we'll start with you. Yeah. So I'd say one guy who um, I was pretty high on is JK Dobbins. Um, I thought he was just such a good all around player. He could do everything. Um, with incredible athleticism. And I think we've seen in recent weeks where he's gotten more playing time that um, that's where the valuation was on point. Um, and I think, you know, as he plays more games, as Mark Ingram starts to fade, they'll transition the starting running back role to him. And I think he'll have a ton of success with it. Joe, what about you? Who's your, the guy that you said, man, some team gets him, they're getting a star right off the bat. Well, you know, some Jets fans might like this, but, um, you know, Wirfs was my, my favorite guy for the Jets in this draft. I thought he was the best fit. I even wrote a bit about him prior to the combine. 
um, and he exceeded my expectations. I think people knocked him because he didn't do a good job of staying square and some people thought he should be a guard. Well, Wirfs is just plain and simple a stud. And he most definitely could play left tackle if they decide to move him there. So obviously the Jets still made a great choice of their own with, with Mekai, but I, I just, I loved Wirfs. I, I was all about him. I was a little shocked we took Mekai. Actually, prior to the pick, I tweeted, Wirfs, you know? And I was like, wait, wait, not Wirfs? <laughs> I was like, all right. Like, I do, I, I do love Becton. I, wrote, I even wrote a piece about him in January last year when he was still getting mocked in the second round that he could be a potential pick for the Jets um, in uh, pick 11. So it's not like I didn't like Becton, but I, I was a little surprised it did go in that direction and it, it's played out. You know, Becton is awesome. Um, I do get a little, uh, sometimes I do get a little afraid that he has, you know, little issues with his shoulder, his knee. And that's also another case why I thought it could be a good idea to even go after an offensive tackle in this particular draft, even in those spots that we talked about, because even George Fan gets nicked up a little bit here and there. And, and, and Becton does. And do we really want to be in a situation where we're now, we don't really have anybody to replace those guys. So yeah, I, I went off on a tangent there, but you know, Worfs, he's a stud. Yeah. And I actually, I got a DM right before the Jets pick from a couple of Jet fans. They were like, all right, who's the pick? And I said it was going to be Worfs. I definitely did. Cause I was like thinking what kind of offensive lineman they wanted, but I will say you can do a tweet search on me. I said, Makai Beckton would be the best, the best offensive tackle out of this class because he had a Jonathan Ogden like ceiling. I was worried about the weight. The weight worried me. I was like, I was like, if he can keep the weight down, I think that'll be fine. And a good point that you mentioned about the Knicks. And I think it becomes even more prevalent when you don't have an off season, which is kind of what you kind of had here, right? Where like these guys, because of the pandemic, didn't really get in a, as much as as much of the same workouts as they got in in years past. And here it is, you expect them to, you know, like they've had practices moved and they and they haven't been able to practice at full speed for weeks. Like look at what happened to the Baltimore Ravens with the outbreak that they had with 23 players testing positive for COVID, right? And so I think it's interesting because with Worfs in particular, I definitely thought I was like, he's going to be the pick just because I figured I was like, you know what? He sees a bit more pro ready than Makai, right? I, I didn't, I thought Makai would need more time uh, but I mean, it's clearly been a very good offensive line class for everybody except the New York Giants. And we'll take that because my brother's a Giants fan. Um, let's jump right into question two from Twitter. One prospect from 2020 that you were absolutely wrong on. And I will start this. I was 100% wrong about Justin Jefferson and what he's done in Minnesota. Did you guys know the stat of the week? Justin Jefferson has more receptions, more yards, and more touchdowns through the first 10 games of his NFL career than Randy Moss. That is wild. And I had so many other receivers ranked ahead of him. I had Jalen Rager ahead of him. I had Colin Johnson from Texas ahead of him. And all he's done is replace Stephon Diggs. That's all he's done. Um, so who about you guys? What's a guy that you were 100% wrong on? Joe, I'll start with you. Let's go with James because, um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know if I was really all that wrong about, you know, anybody. I, you know, I will say, all right, fine. I'll go with Cesar Ruiz. I thought he was going to be a lot better at this point. Um, of course, he can still end up developing. You know, a lot of these offensive linemen, they take a year to, uh, you know, make that transition. So I'd, I'd like to say, I didn't really want to bring him up because I liked him so much. Yeah, but yeah. I'd say as of now, I guess I'm kind of wrong on him. Let's see how things go. He's playing yeah. on, on a really good offensive line. He's going to definitely learn from these guys. And I think he will end up being good. But as of right now, I could say I'm probably wrong on, on Ruiz. Yeah. And I love Drew Reeves too, so don't feel bad about that. I definitely, I, I said, I said, listen, man, that's a plug and play guy. He will start from day one. He's a guy that you can bank on for the next like 10 years as a guy that's going to do his job. And I, you're right. And that's the beauty of this too, is that because right now, right, a lot of folks are probably saying, well, you know what? Like James, you mentioned J.K. Dobbins. That was the guy that you liked, right? But through the first half of the season, Ravens fans were like, what the hell? It was a waste of a pick. You should have given Lamar another receiver, right? And then now look at him. He's very clearly their best back. He's the only one that should be touching the ball down the stretch for the, for the Ravens going forward. James, what about you? Who's the guy that you were wrong on about 2020, in 2020? Yeah, I mean, I think the player that I was most strong on um, was Andrew Thomas. And I kind of was thinking along the lines uh, that a lot of other people were. Um, and I think the, the flawed logic in the case of Andrew Thomas was that there was this assumption, there were a lot of assumptions made just based on his pedigree that he would be this very safe pick. Uh, he was commonly described as having a high floor, which I think uh, the whole Andrew Thomas experience has kind of um, taught me that those terms, floor and ceiling, aren't particularly useful. Um, and so I think there was just a lot of groupthink about Andrew Thomas. Um, I think conversely with Makai Becton, there was a lot of groupthink too that led him to fall. 
Um, and I think the lesson from the Andrew Thomas thing is that just because you're a longtime starter um, in the SEC doesn't mean that like you're automatically going to be good um, in the NFL um, and that physical traits and athleticism often uh, provide a high floor because even when you're wrong in terms of technique, you can lean back on your athletic ability to compensate. And that was something that I think Andrew Thomas couldn't do to the extent that some of the other tackles in this class could. So I think Andrew Thomas was my miss. I think that that's actually one that I got wrong too, because if you do a tweet search, I will tell you, Andrew Thomas was the safest pick. Um, and it's, and it's crazy because I think for me, you make a really good point, James, about like being able to fall back on your natural talents. Right. Like I remember, and Joe, this will tie into your point about worse. A lot of people were saying, well, his arms are too short to play tackle. He should really be inside. And it's like, but he can block guys. That's really all he has to do. Right. And I think what folks tend to get stuck on is, you look at you look at a guy like like Worfs, who came from a school that a lot of people tend to not really follow as much, right? In, in in Iowa, right? It's the same thing that we saw with TJ Hawkinson, right? Like again, they come from these schools that folks don't really associate with college football powerhouses. You know, one of Shane's points about Memphis now churning out these running backs, right? Like Pollard and Gibson. I think I think you, what you see with the group thing, James, that you mentioned is a lot of folks tend to think that the the college powerhouses, like a Michigan, like an Ohio State they're the only ones that churn out these top prospects, right? Where realistically, like we've seen, these kids go to play ball anywhere. And if you're good, you will play. And if you're good, you will play. And there's good coaches at some of these mid-majors and some of these other schools. I look at the guy that they constantly talk about for the Jets, Matt Campbell is head coach, right? Like, again, this is a program that was dead and now they're going to the Big 12 championship. So, you know, it's it's, it's amazing to see this change in, like, listen, it, talent is talent. If you can play, you can play. It doesn't necessarily have to be at some of these big schools or whatever. If you can play, talent will win out. Uh, but Andrew Thomas was one that I absolutely whiffed on. Um, let's go right into round six. I'm going to read you guys, each of you. I'm going to read you two scouting reports. Joe, I will start with you. I'm going to read you a scouting report. You will tell if that's a player that you will that you would take with the Jets' second second first-round pick. And then I will tell you who the player is. Are you, Are you ready? Tell me the position or just the scouting report? I am. I'm going to tell you the position. I'm going to tell you the position. Yep. I'm going to tell you the position and I'm going to read you the first two lines of their scouting report. Um, because I think this is, I think this is a fun game that ties into what I'm saying. Okay. So ready. Let me know when you're ready. I'm all good to go. Okay. Six feet, four, 203 pounds. It's a wide receiver. Big playability, averaged 21.3 yards per catch on only 35 catches in 2018, exploded in 2019 with 60 catches for 1,188 yards. He's a big-time receiver. Mismatch nightmares is what this scouting report calls him. Rare combination of height and speed. Hmm. Would I take a guy like that? I mean, he sounds... Would you take a guy like that with Seattle's pick? No. Um, it's a, it's a nice uh, scouting report. Um, I think that, I think Mims could uh, actually transition and be uh, a flanker and a Z. I think people kind of see him mostly as a prototypical X, but he's a very versatile wide receiver. So to pair him with like an X on the other side and have him play the Z role, um, I could see that happening. So targeting a guy like this here. Yeah, I could see it. I don't know who you're talking about. Is Terrence Marshall that tall? Um, uh, Terrence Marshall's one inch taller. He's, he's one six inch taller. Right. Yeah, I, I'm really four. curious as to who this is. Yep, it is uh, Tamari and Terry from Florida State. All right. So go, so go figure. This is this is the and and mind you, uh, this is a favorite of a couple of guys that we'll have on the show as we go. Uh, one of one of their favorite guys that can go. And James actually guessed it in the in the chat. He said FSU. Uh, so this is a guy that's a favorite of a lot of the, of couple of guys that we'll have on as we as we go through this season of draft season. Um, and when and it's funny because when I I had I had my daughter pick at random. I had her just point to a prospect, and that's how I picked who I was gonna say. And when I read the rare 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 uh, combination of size and speed. I was like, oh, this could be set for Terrence Marshall. So I thought the same, but it's Tamarin oh, Terrence. Yeah, all right, cool. Yeah. Uh, maybe we could have started with James on this one. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, no worries. James, like a bit better. James, I am now going to go to you. Uh, this, 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 so I'm going to read you the scouting report, and then you tell me if this is somebody you would take in round, in the same, the same pick I gave James uh, with, uh, with, the, um, with the Seahawks pick, okay? Uh, so this is, a, this is a linebacker, okay? Six feet three, 245 pounds, okay? Can rush off the edge, can cover. Uh, he 
he's been he's covered skill position players very well, covers a lot of ground, clutch stops, causes a lot of disruption for the offense, good size and strength to go along with speed and athleticism, reminds people of Devin White or Roquan Smith. Would you take this player? And I know a lot of Jet fans are anti-defense at 21, or, you know, with Seattle's pick. But would you take this defensive player with Seattle's pick? So I think I would. I mean, I, I think I have two players who it might be. So I'm just going to say their names. I mean, my first thought was Joseph of Sai from Texas. My my second thought was uh, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa. But the, the rush part didn't really fit with that because he's more of a coverage linebacker. Um, but yeah, I mean, if somebody's versatile, oh, wow, okay. I see in the chat who it is right now. Um, yeah, certainly if he fell, um, I would take him. I think that'd be more of a best player available thing yeah. than it would be um, you know, fitting a need. But uh, yeah, I would definitely take him. So let me tell you, I have done six mock drafts this, this season. This player has fallen to the Seahawks pick every time, and I don't understand why. And I've used so many different simulators. I've used Svanspeak, the draft network, and every time he falls, the player is Makai Parsons from Penn State linebacker um who again i think is probably i mean if he's not top two or three defensive players in his class i i just i i'd be blown away if he's not and so to see him fall to seattle's pick i'd be blown away but i see but it happens all the time right i think we see this with defense especially in such a deep offense we have a class with potentially i think four quarterbacks would go in the top 15 I think we can say that safely top 20 and you you're going to see some talent push back James I saw your face when I said he's a top three defender in this class you disagree oh no no I don't disagree no, sorry, I not James Joe I saw Joe's face Joe, no no disagree. oh no absolutely not I was just wondering when you were going to mention that I put his name in the chat <laughs> oh yeah so Joe got it right so Joe, Joe like, got it right. Man, throw me a bone here Joe got it right Joe got it right Joe got it right all right Joe so now let me give you another let me give you another and this time I'm going to ask you if this is a prospect that you would take at the top of round at the top of round two okay so I'm going to read you his scouting report and you will tell me if you will take him at the top of round two this is also a wide receiver okay a wide receiver okay wide receiver six six 210 pounds, okay? We're talking about as freshman, sophomore, and junior had at least 30 catches, 500 yards, and at least five touchdowns, right? Uh, has had some some decent games, and the production may not stand out, but has had decent games against Texas, Oklahoma, Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, he makes circus catches using amazing height, length, Leaping ability, hands, and body control. Huge catch radius, explosiveness in his lower body to leap well above defenders to high point the ball for contested catches. When you, you said you mentioned the word decent, and I'm not looking for decent in that range. I yeah. mean, he sounds like a good red zone threat, you know, mm -hmm. so I, maybe some guy I might target later. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think I'm probably definitely wrong on this. Is is Nico Collins? Uh, potential? No, 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 not Nico. No. Collins. Is he even that tall? Who's six foot six right now? Uh, T.J. Vasher. T.J. Vasher. Wow, yeah, I'm, six, I'm six. not familiar with Vasher. Right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not six, six. No, 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 no. But but I, I will tell you, like that's a guy that I agree with you. I think that that's a guy that because of his size and how he performs at the combine, I think he's a guy that goes higher than he really should. Uh, because when he's been matched up with better corners, he has struggled. But there are some times where you kind of see that, you know what, if you roll the dice on him you and you and you let him sit, like, for example, if he went to a team like Pittsburgh. Wait, where do you see, you see him going in the, in, the, in the top of the second? So I, saw, so I saw two mocks this week, and I'll share them with you guys, that had him going in the middle of round two. And oh, wow. it, in the comments, it said, because of the combine. And I was like, so not the film. The combine. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was really interesting. Uh, so that's why I, I, I had, when my daughter plucked him, I said, that makes sense because of this. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think that he's a guy that I don't, I wouldn't take him in the top, in the top of the second round, because I think that there's better receivers available at the top of the second round. There's also better running backs available, right? So meaning like there's better players that I can add than to roll the dice on a guy who's only had decent production against top there corner. There might be like a hundred guys that are yeah, right. available that are better. <laughs> <laughs> at that point, at that point, James, I'm going to read you the same, same pick. This is the Seattle Seahawks pick. Um, I'm going to read you. I gave you defense. I'm going to give you defense again. 
because contrary to popular belief, the Jets need help on defense, right? Um, so I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a defensive player. I'm going to give you a cornerback. Okay. All right. Five, he is, he is six feet two, 203 pounds. No issues living up to large expectations. Saw the field as a freshman. Uh, played against a bunch of good receivers this this season so far and has played very well. Um, let's see. Uh, would be a quality starter quickly in his in his pro career, especially if he is drafted into a system that plays a lot of press man. Excellent size, height, length that make it difficult to get passes around him. And his height and length help him to have nice recoverability to narrow the space and close the window for completing passes. He is a cornerback. Would you take that prospect at the top of round two? I definitely would. Uh, is this JC Horn? It's actually Patrick Sertain the second. Okay. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, I would definitely take Sertain. I know that he's commonly mocked um, pretty top early. Top 15, in the first top round. 20, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think if he fell, I would 100% take him. And I think the Jets would too. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that Joe Douglas is going to do his absolute best. And this is this is it's a one Phil needs in this draft, but Phil needs in this draft with guys that can grow with Trevor Trevor Lawrence, right? And not just on the offensive side of the ball, but the defensive side of the ball as well. I will also say a lot of Jet fans talk about free agency. I very much believe that Joe Douglas is not going to try to pigeonhole himself into the draft by not addressing some of these needs in free agency. So for example, if you can take a veteran, if you can sign a veteran cornerback, like say a Jimmy Smith from Baltimore, right. Then that makes it so you don't maybe have to reach for a cornerback at the top of, you know, with the with Seattle's pick, but you can draft a JC Horn or a Patrick Sertain and you can bring them along slowly. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to rush them along. Um, so that was, that was round five. Let's breeze through round six and seven. This has been a longer episode, but again, the holidays are coming up. So consider it your early Christmas gift. Um, let's go, let's go right into uh right into the seventh round. Sorry, seventh round. So what we do with our seventh rounds is we do dual mocks um with with Joe and James. And you guys know the scenario. You guys are Joe Douglas's new assistants. Joe Douglas has hired you, given you a blank check, said you are in our front office. Okay. For, you've already taken Trevor Lawrence round one. Joe Douglas has put his stamp on this team by also taking an offensive lineman with the Seattle's pick. So now we have Trevor Lawrence and we have an offensive lineman. He comes to you and he says, Joe and James, I need you to make the rest of the picks. I am taking this helicopter up to mount something with Trevor Lawrence and we're going to celebrate. Okay. So you guys are running the board for the rest of the way. Joe, I will start. No, James, I will start with you. You are making the Seattle pick. Who is your pick? I think the pick has got to be offensive line. Um, and if Wyatt Davis makes it there from Ohio State, I think you need to take him. Um, obviously, it depends on what the Jets do in free agency, but I think um, you can never have enough good offensive linemen. And um, I think that's the Joe Douglas approach, and I think that's the wise approach. So that's what I'd take. And that's a fact. I think too often Jet, the Jets GMs have ignored the middle class of this roster by saying, you know what, we can just plug and play anybody from the, from the street to play offensive line. And I think being able to add difference makers that can start for the next five, 10 years, I think that's what you do. Joe, you are on the clock with the Jets next pick. Who are you taking? What position? Who are you taking and why? I think the assistants are doing really jo a good job so far. I love Wyatt yeah. Davis. I put him in my mock last week. And if I was uh, one of Joe Douglas's assistants, I'd try to find a way to uh, maybe get into his house at night and just, you know, whisper offense into his ear as he's sleeping. Offense. You know? <laughs> I, I, I have thought about taking JC Horn here. Um, mm -hmm. We need a corner, but, you know, James is picked from last week. So I guess we're going to, you know, do a, a dual thread here. Uh, I'm going with Chris Olave. Good route runner who can create separation. He's one of my favorite guys in the draft. I don't think we could go wrong with this guy. Again, like we said last week, prototypical Z to Mims's X. Love Chris Olave. So now let's look at this taking Brugler's mock and your two picks. Joe Douglas's first picks in theory could be Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Mayfield, Wyatt Davis, and Chris Olave. That is an exciting four, like a core four that you will now go forward with Mims and Beckton. That is six guys under the age of 23 that can grow with this young quarterback. I think that's incredibly impressive. All right. Say the Jets get an extra two for Sam Darnold. So now this is, this is your third, second round pick. James, what are you aiming for with this Sam Darnold pick uh, to help Trevor Lawrence or to help the defense? 
Yeah, I mean, I think in the event that the Jets take two offensive players with their second and third picks in the draft, I think that it's a 100% chance that they would take defense. Now, I think one of the underrated parts of like doing mock drafts is that it doesn't account for players who fall. And we saw that with Ashton Davis. He fell, the Jets swept him up. So um, I think you would probably see edge or corner here. Um, I think those would be the two logical positions to target. Yeah, and I think if you can walk out of here Again, we're talking about if he gets an extra two for Sam Darnold, that's five picks in the top 100, right? If you can walk out of their quarterback, another offensive lineman, an interior offensive lineman, a wide receiver, and a corner and edge, that is how you rebuild the nucleus here. And then James, that'd be Joe, sorry. You are running the, this, the last pick of this imaginary mock. You've seen that we've taken Trevor, Jalen Mayfield, Wyatt Davis, Chris Olave, and a corner. Are you going edge with this next pick if we go corner? Or are you aiming for another position that we haven't talked about? Are you doubling up on wide receiver? Are you adding a running back potentially at this spot? This is that third round. This is that third round pick that that the Jets should that the Jets would have. Who would you take? You know, I mean, there it's it's hard to really say. I, I agree with, you know, going after premium. now and if he is available in this spot he's a guy who I would just have a really difficult time stepping away from um and yeah I we was that was that original cornerback pick was that with the Sam Donald trade is that what you were saying yeah yep yep I wouldn't mind seeing them take a guy like Tyson Campbell in that pick if we were going corner I think he's showed up this year kind of late you know, he's good at press coverage he's got closing speed and he's competitive at the catch point so he's another guy who for some reason you know, we went with a different position with that pick. We went with Tyson Campbell at the top of the third. I think that's another really nice selection for the Jets and, you know, we'll really round out uh, a solid draft for Joe Douglas. So I'm going to send Joe Douglas an email saying that he should hire all three of us because we have given you a franchise quarterback, another offensive, two more offensive linemen, a receiver that complements the receiver you drafted last year, a corner, another corner. <laughs> um, so... Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Season six, episode two of Draft Season. Big thank you to Shane for joining us. Uh, this will be dropping on Wednesday, uh, December 9th. It will be dropping Wednesday, December 9th. Uh, so get your questions into Draft Season for next week's episode. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. And let's go Jets to lose, not to win. <laughs>